Ready? Hey, um, what? Are you on? Is your mic Can on? you hear me? Oh, oh, we are li- we're oh, live. We're live. Okay. Hey, hey, Bill. Bob, how are you? Hey, Graham. What's up? Uh, the fact that I'm stuck between you two is. I know, and I'm well, like, we're all sitting on the edge of our seat today. Well, and right? you're sort of the barrier so that right. we can keep social distancing. We don't want to upset Joyce. <laughs> right, I'm right, glad right. I'm. She's watching. Yeah, I, I get to be in the middle <laughs> of that, so that's good. <laughs> so we're glad that you have joined us for episode five of the Bob and Bill podcast. And I hope you enjoyed that violin solo. That is Elizabeth Welty. She is married to Zach Welty, who is behind the camera today, and that is Bill Welty's son, daughter-in-law. Not my son. She's my daughter-in-law. But she's married to your son. Yes. And she does a great job. And I know one person, well, there's a lot of people that would be glad that she played today. So those people know who they are, so please send in your check. (laughs) Vinny. (laughs) So, like, a lot of churches have now realized that in order for them to continue ministry, we have to do ministry different than what we've been doing. I mean, we've, we've, you know what's weird? I think we're getting a taste of what the rest of the world is experiencing. Think about how many people in the persecuted church never get to do what we get to do every Sunday. And yet we complain about the carpets, the hymn books, what we're singing, what we're not singing. And some of those folks in the persecuted church, they don't even know whether they're going to make it out alive after a service because of the risk that they take gathering together. So God's blessed us with an infrastructure here at America's Keswick that we can do online ministry, which is really cool. And we're glad that you're all watching. But, but how can we come alongside of churches that they don't have a clue where to even start with this? Yeah, I think one of the things that's important to kind of look at this time is, is an opportunity. Um, it, I think it would be very easy for a church to kind of get really overwhelmed right now and just say, I, you know, this is the first time I've ever really started thinking about this. But um, the world needs hope more than ever. The world needs, um, yeah, the world needs hope more than ever. And what an opportunity for the church to kind of speak into this time. So um, a couple kind of, I just kind of jotted down some easy things for a church that maybe has never thought about doing online before, how they can kind of get started in this process. And one of those ways, and I'm sure you've seen before, is church have, churches have now begun live streaming um, their services. Now, you can take that to the extreme with fancy cameras and all those things, but that doesn't need to be the case. Um, I've seen pastors literally sit down with a laptop and go Facebook Live. Again, people don't need fancy right now. They just need hope. So a pastor being able to sit down at their laptop and just being able to preach the gospel on their computer is a literally no-frills, easy way for a pastor to kind of get in front of their people and get in front of the world right now. It's sort of like cell phones. You know, we've... We get to serve a lot of senior saints here at America's Keswick. And I remember five, six, seven years ago, we were encouraging people to text their grandkids. Mm-hmm. And how many times did they say, oh, we're not doing that. If they want to talk to me, they know how to reach me. But the reality is, if you're going to have conversations with your grandkids in this day and age, texting is one of the ways that they communicate. Yeah. And so how many folks <coughs> have come now and said, wow, we're so glad you talk, told us about texting because we have great communication with our kids. So, Graham, if, if there's a church that's looking for help, we are committed to serving the local church as well as them serving us. I think you've made something really cool available. 
Yeah, if a, a pastor or church leader is has questions and is looking for help, they can definitely reach out to us. Um, the number is uh, 800-453-7942. My extension is 1029. Or you can email me. It's grahamw at americaskeswick.org. I would love to, again, I'm not going to have all the answers, but um, anything I can do to help um, assist you in kind of getting that ministry up and running for you, I'll do my best. I was thinking on Sunday that the enemy sort of looks at stuff like this and goes, wow, I, I have stopped, I've closed thousands of churches across the country, but he forgot the power of the internet. Yeah. So my guess is that in church this Sunday, globally, there probably were more people in church than there are on any given Sunday in a lot of our churches, and the gospel was proclaimed with power. In fact, I think one church posted that on Sunday they had five people get saved through their online ministry, yeah. which yeah. is really cool. Which, again, it's amazing. There's that, there's that fear of, will ministry still happen? Can ministry still happen? And when I saw, again, a number of churches post, people got saved today online, it was an encouragement to me of ministry is still going to go forward, just like it's going forward here. Um, and it can also go forward in our churches. Robert, you shared something about, because for a lot of pastors to preach to an empty room, that's like, that's, that's a foreign concept. But yep. Well, God is our audience. We are falling into that whole trap of we are the audience. And so the pastor and the worship leaders and the choir and the special music, they do worship for us. But that's not really accurate. God is our audience, and um, he's the one that we worship. And so it's kind of interesting to see an empty church building, mm. so to speak, we're still worshiping now God as our audience. So um, it's kind of an easier picture to get in your mind if you think about that. We love Roger Wilmore. We shared with you on episode four, the first part of this message, do you meet God at church? And I think Robert's, or Roger's been giving us some really practical things that we can do. Today he's going to talk about is even as we listen to a message. How do you listen to a message and enhance what God wants to say to you. So let's give a listen to Roger Wilmore. Now for the next few moments, for the next few moments, I'm, I'm just going to say some very practical things to help you have a greater likelihood of having a face-to-face, heart-to-heart encounter with God when you go to church. Would you like to know how to do that? Well, let's talk about it. Now this, this is not heavy theology. It's not, it's not deep doctrine, it's, there's, it's not rocket science, it's very practical, biblical uh, principles. And I just want you to follow along as we think about it. Number one, prepare your heart for worship before you go to worship. How many times do we rush into the parking lot of the church, car packed with kids, looks like one of those old ball ballpark frank commercials you know when those things were exploding on the grill and popping out i see cars coming into the parking lot at the church sometimes like that i mean like they're about to explode because the family's in a i don't know what's going on in those cars but it's it's like everybody's trying to put their clothes on or something i don't know like they're not quite ready to get out yet but and i watch and they come in and they're stretched and strained and and frustrated and sometimes jerking the kids around, the husband yelling at the wife, and the wife yelling at the husband, and they come in and they sit down and they expect something wonderful to happen, and they're so far away from something wonderful happening, it's not even funny. They haven't even thought about this. I'm going to tell you how to think about it in a moment. 
How do we prepare our heart for worship? Number one, we live for God throughout the week. Now we could take this text, we could take this text, Acts chapter 4, and the story of Acts chapter 4 starts in Acts chapter 3. And we see Peter and John and the disciples walking with God, living for God, and serving God, and preaching uh, the Word of God, walking in the Spirit of God, ministering to people. And what we're seeing here is that their relationship to God is woven into the warp and woof of their life. Uh, being in the presence of God and serving God is not a Sunday morning 10 to 11 experience. It's not something that you walk in a church door and, and sit down in a pew and, okay, now I'm on. I'm doing the Christian thing. I'm doing the God thing. I'm doing the right thing. And I'm, I'm going to live for God for an hour and do this church stuff for an hour. And when I get up, I'll go back out and get in my car and go and go back to the routine of life. Well, the routine of life ought to be that we walk with God every day. We love God every day. We serve God every day. We're in His Word every day. We talk to Him every day. It should be part of the fabric of our life. And this dichotomy, if, if there is a dichotomy, it is going to affect your ability to truly, fully, adequately, sufficiently worship God. There shouldn't be such a big transition of coming from out there into here. Uh, what is going on in your heart right here should be the routine of your life out there. Where you work, where you live. So you live for God throughout the week. That's the first thing. Second thing is get ready. Now, here's one of the most practical things, and I preach this. I preach this many times in my church as a pastor. Get ready for Sunday on Saturday. Get ready for Sunday on Saturday. Now, if I talk to young families, and there are some young families here with younger children, smaller children, especially if it's a larger family, let me tell you what one of the biggest frustrations is on Sunday morning, figuring out what we're going to have for breakfast, figuring out what the kids are going to wear, figuring out where, where what the kids are going to wear is, and uh, figuring out what the husband's going to wear. He's the number one child, you know. And figuring out what the husband's going to wear and figuring out what the wife's going to wear. I always, and I'm just telling you, you can go do what you want to do. You're going to go do what you want to do anyway. But I'm going to tell you what I did. I put everything out on Saturday night that I was going to put on on Sunday morning. I didn't even have to think about what I was doing on Sunday morning. I didn't, want, I didn't want which tie, that's one of those things you put around your neck when you wear a suit. I didn't even think about what I was going to do, which one I was going to you, you, you follow what I'm saying, don't you? And if we had testimony time tonight, you, some of you could tell some war stories about getting ready to go to church on Sunday morning. Put your clothes out. What's another thing some people have to look for on Sunday morning? Their Bible. For Pete's sake, know where your Bible is. Have your Bible close by. Make, and, and what else comes with the Bible? A notebook. We're going to talk about taking notes in a minute. What's another thing you should do in this process of getting ready? Pray that your heart would be prepared by the Holy Spirit to enter the presence of God. Pray for your pastor who's going to be opening the Word of God to preach the Word of God. Pray that your heart will be in tune to the voice of God as the pastor preaches the Word of God. Pray for those who will be leading in the music and the worship, your minister of worship, your minister of music, and those who are involved. Pray for the team, all of them. And pray for a congregation that would come in in a spirit of unity that the Spirit of God might have freedom to move in power and to manifest the glory of Jesus Christ. 
I have wondered how many people come in to church on Sunday morning. I'm, I'm talking about active church members, active. By the way, only about 30 or 40 percent of the church role actually attends church. A church that has a thousand members will only see 200 or 300 people. I, I can't figure that out. I've never been able to figure that out. But um, pray that you'll be able to encounter God. The next thing I would say is make meeting God a priority. Let it be a high priority. Now I'll go to a second main point. The first main point that I shared with you is prepare your heart for worship. The second one is give God the glory. In verse 24, the text says, And when they heard, heard it, when they heard this word, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything that's in it. Do you see the focal point of worship? What is the focal point of worship? The focal point of worship is the glory of God. And I can't say this enough. We need to, when we go to church and we're going seeking, desiring to meet God and to have an encounter with God, we need to do so with our supreme desire being that God would get glory out of our time with Him, out of our worship, out of our praise, out of our listening, out of our response to Him. Come before the Lord with humility. If Apostle James, writing in chapter 4 of James, said, God resists the proud and he gives grace to the humble. 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Come before the Lord with humility. Let him have his way in your life. Come with gratitude. Come to church. Come to church with an attitude of gratitude. I'm going to go into my imagination mode again. You know that little green basket Bill had a while ago? D did y'all see that and what we're doing? Do you know what's in there? Tell me what's in that basket. Evaluation forms. Do you know that, and I, I've told you that I was a pastor for 42 years. <laughs> Do you know that during my years as a pastor, I felt like the vast majority of the people coming to church were walking in with the proverbial evaluation form in their hands. It went from everything, the thermostat, to what the preacher was wearing, how he combed his hair, to what the youth were doing, what the music was, what the sermon was, starting on time, not ending on time, you name it, an evaluation form. Now, you're looking at me like you really don't know what I'm talking about, but you understand what I'm talking about. People come in with this, this mental attitude of uh, they're so preoccupied with, with sitting in judgment upon everything and everybody that they totally miss why they're there to start with. They have a, in their minds an, an evaluation form. I would ask you not to do that. Open your eyes. You should, you should just, your prayer should be, uh, to, your prayer should be, O oh Lord, just to open my eyes and open my heart that I might see you, that I might hear you, that I might encounter you. Come with an attitude of gratitude. Come to him with worship. And now uh, other people could talk more about worship than I can. I, you know more about it than I know, but I know a little bit about worship. The word worship means to kiss toward. It is, it is a... 
it is an expression of uh, appreciation. It is an expression of adoration. I was reading not very long ago some explanations of worship and some, um, some analogies of worship, and I came across something. Are you listening to me? I, I want you to hear this because it, it struck me kind of strangely when I read it, and I've pondered it a lot. But the article I was reading said that a dog licking its master's hand is an expression of worship. Now, I have a dog, and uh, we've had dogs much of our married life, my wife and I, but they were outside dogs until this dog. The dog we have now, for reasons I won't go into, is an inside dog. He's a cockapoo. He's the most beautiful dog in the world. I could have gotten a better response to that. But um, I, I really don't like for a dog to lick me. But when I'm petting him and loving him, do you know what he does? Licks, 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 licks. And I've translated what I see in that dog to what I've read about worship. And I'm seeing this humble, such a humble, eyes looking up, licking away. And you know what it is saying? I love you so much. I love you so much. I love you so much. And that's what that dog is saying. I don't have any doubt about what he's saying. And shouldn't our worship to God be like licking the hand of just saying, I love you so much, I love you so much. Some of you are looking at me very strangely right now. You don't, but you, but I, I need to know, do you understand what I'm trying to say? I love you, I love you, I love you. If we didn't do anything but just come into this room and sit down in, this, in these seats and start saying, I love you, Lord, I love you, 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 I love you. Do you know, I think in about two or three minutes, the Spirit of God's presence would be so manifest in this place that it would be palatable to us because that's what He does when we worship Him, His Spirit. God inhabits the praises of His people. Praise. That woman in Luke chapter 7, she was a sinner, sinful woman. She went into the house of the Pharisee Simon who had invited Jesus to be his special guest. And what did she do? She stood at the feet of Jesus and she wept. She wept until his feet were washed in her tears. She worshipped him. She worshipped him. Well, let's look at something else. I want to talk about now listening to the Word of God. This is another way, and we're just about finished, but I, I want to talk about having an encounter with God. And here's, here's a vital part of that, and it is listening to the preaching of the Word of God. Peter had been preaching the Word of God. He had been declaring the Word of God. Everything leading up to this manifest presence of God in Acts chapter 4 was the preaching of the Word of God. You cannot worship God. You, can, you cannot worship a God whom you do not know, and you cannot know Him apart from the revelation of the Word of God. And the preaching of God's Word is central. This pulpit is in this spot, in this building, for a very specific purpose. 
In case you haven't noticed, it is, it is not just put here to hold the Bible and the notes of the preacher. It is a piece of furniture that is central. It is central. And when you walk into this room, the first thing you will see is the pulpit. It has a central location. Churches are designed to have the pulpit in a place of centrality. Some of them are designed very specifically to have the pulpit in a place of absolute centrality within the building, within the auditorium or the sanctuary. And the purpose of that is that the pulpit is not only here just as a piece of furniture to hold up a Bible, it is a piece of furniture that declares that the central thing that takes place in this room is the preaching of the Word of God. And that's how we encounter God. You encounter God through the preaching of His Word. Now, here are some practical things, and I'm about to land the plane, okay? And this, this is, listen, when I preached this in my congregation, so it rubbed some people a, a little bit uh, wrong because they thought I was meddling. And uh, there was an old preacher preached in this pulpit many times. Not this one, but in this spot. Not this pulpit, but in this spot. His name was Vance Havner. If you could go back and research and know the names of some of the men of God who have pre preached in this place, you'd probably take your shoes off and say, I didn't know we were on such holy ground. Some of the greatest men of God in this century and last have been in this place and in this pulpit preaching the word of God. But Vance Havner, Vance Havner was an old southern preacher, just an old-fashioned preacher, and he said, I've, he said I, sometimes my preaching... He said, some people tell me that my preaching is rubbing them the wrong way. He said, Havner, your preaching is like rubbing the cat's fur the wrong way. He said, well, turn the old cat around. <laughs> so uh, I'm, I'm quoting Dr. Havner now. Just turn the old cat around. You cannot worship a God whom you don't, do not know. So here we go. Here, here's some practical Counsel. I'm wanting you to be able to encounter God when you go to church. Take a Bible with you to church. Take your Bible to church. And I'm not going to embarrass anybody by saying, show me your Bible. But you ought to have a Bible. You say, well, I didn't bring a Bible. I brought an iPad. I brought a tablet. I brought my phone. That, that don't cut it with me. Amen. And I'm going to tell you why. <laughs> and I know, I know our people on the back table got all those tablets. Sorry, Bill. But let, let, me, let, let me just, you got your Bible, you got your Bible. Jan's letting me say she's got her Bible. Okay, I see Jan's off the hook. All right, but listen, I, I've had this experience. I said to some guys one time who, who seemed to be really engaged in their tablet or whatever it was, um, I said, uh, you know, you just appeared to really be engaged in the reading of the Word and the preaching of the Word today, and they said, what are you talking about? And I said, well, you had this device up, and you were looking, and you were looking, and really seemed to be really excited. And I said, we were watching a basketball game. That's what they told me. We were watching a basketball game. So here's the, here's the reason I say that. You, when, I see, when I see a device, I don't know what you're looking at. But when I see a Bible, I know what you're looking at. <laughs> Don't, those kind of amens will get me in trouble now. You, you, you understand what I'm saying? Did you hear me the other night when you were looking for a text that I announced and pages were turning? I said, I love to hear the rustling of the leaves. I love to hear the rustling of the leaves, the pages just turning, turning, turning. Take a Bible. By the way, your Bible can be a testimony to your neighbor. 
On Sunday morning when you're going to your car, you ought to have your Bible in your hand. You may have a lost neighbor living next door. You say, well, they know where I'm going. Do they know where you're going? I tell you, if you've got a Bible in your hand, they know where you're going. Do you know that just the very presence of a Bible in your hand can be a witness to somebody? Take a Bible. Well, if you take a Bible, here's the second thing I'd say. Open it. <laughs> open it. And ask God to open your eyes and open your ears to hear what God is going to say through his word. Say, oh God, open my eyes that I might see. Open my ears that I might hear. Open my heart that I might obey. Third thing I would say is read the Bible for yourself. And what I mean by that is when a pastor reads a text, don't just listen to what he reads. Let your eyes be fixed on the text that he's reading. And you ponder it, prayerfully ponder it and think about it. So bring your Bible, open your Bible, read the Bible for yourself. And here's something else I would say about how to listen to a sermon. Take notes, and I cannot emphasize this enough. Take notes. Now I'm just about finished, but this, to me this is an important part of having an encounter with God and knowing that God has spoken to your heart. I've said a little bit about this already this week, but in, in the course of a sermon, I don't know how many people are in this room. I haven't counted you. I don't know how many people are here. But I do know this. God has spoken to every heart in a different way. He said he's taken something from the sermons that have been preached and he said it to your heart and he said something to you that you need to remember. That you need to remember. Now you may be a whole lot different from me, but I can't trust my memory. But when I'm listening to the man of God preach, when I'm sitting under the preaching of God's word, as I've done this week in the mornings and other times, I have a notebook. Because God is going to say something to me and, it, and something personally, something pertinent, something penetrating, something powerful, something. It's going to be pointed. It's going to be to me. And if I say, I need to remember that, I'm going to tell you by the time the end of the sermon gets there, I will not have remembered that. But if I write down what God said to me, I can remember, I can go back and I can see it and I can think about it. And I'm just trying to be your friend with that. You say, I don't like to take notes. I'm telling you, you it, I'm not saying outline the whole sermon, write down every word the preacher is saying. It's not necessary to have a manuscript in your notebook when you get through. It may be one sentence or two sentences. It may be a word. It may be a thought. But write down what you know God is saying to you through the sermon. Amen? Well, let me just give you the list of what's left and we'll be finished. Make your Bible a workbook. Don't be hesitant to make notations in your Bible and let it, let it be a working book for you. Make the worship of Christ, make worship Christ-centered. Make worship Christ-centered. Realize that we're here for Jesus. We are here primarily for Jesus. And next, pray for divine empowerment of the preacher, for the preacher, and for those who are leading and for yourself. And number six, or lastly, expect God to show up. Expect God. Come with a sense of expectation. One thing I love about coming to America's Keswick and being in these kinds of conference settings with you is because I can sense a high level of expectation that God is going to say something. I hear you talking about it. I hear the murmur. 
of conversation. I hear comments after the service. There's a sense of expectation. When I was a college student down in Alabama years ago, uh, preparing for ministry, I was going out on Sundays and preaching, and not too much was happening. I would preach, and one or two people, well, just very few people were responding. And I had a friend who lived in the same dorm with me who was out preaching, and people were just responding. Things were happening. God was blessing. And I went over to his room one night in the dormitory, and I said, Steve, I, I need to talk to you. I said, I'm very concerned about something. I said, you and I are going out on Sundays, different directions, different places. And I'm preaching, you're preaching, you're coming back and talking about people getting saved and people getting right with God and this and that and things that are happening in the services. And, and I said, I'm coming back, seem like the net's empty more than it has anything in it. And I'm concerned about my ministry. I'm concerned about wh what's not happening when I see in you what is happening. And, he, and uh, he, he's, we're the same age. I mean, we're just college students. He looked at me and he asked, um, he asked me a question. I'll never forget it. He said, are you expecting God to do anything? He said, are you expecting God to do anything? And I said, well, I think so. And he said, well, you need to know if you're expecting God to do anything. And he said, in one way that you can know that you're expecting God to do something is to thank him in advance for what he's going to do. And he said, before I go out to preach, I get on my knees and I seek God's face and I ask God to do something, to speak to hearts, to change lives, to save the lost, encourage the saint, and on I go. And he said, when I get through telling God what I want to see him do, what I desire to see him do, I thank him in advance and I rejoice in answered prayer before I even go out to preach the word of God. I went back to my dorm room. I got on my face before God. I repented of the fact that I had not been praying that way, that I did not have a sense of anticipation, and I wasn't thanking God in advance. No one had ever told me how to do that. I put all of those matters before the Lord. I went to a little church down in South Alabama the next week, preached on Sunday morning, Sunday night, and, and about 11 people were saved on Sunday morning, three or four people saved on Sunday night, and a host of other people came and made decisions for Christ in those two services on that Sunday. And I said, this works. This really works to bow down and say, oh God, I have a desire in my heart for you to do something, and I'm thanking you advance that you do it. I want to see people come to faith in you. I want to see saints of God encouraged in you. I want you to use my life and my ministry, the preaching of the word, to bring glory to yourself. And I thank you, and I thank you, and I thank you right now for what you're going to do before I ever get in a car to head off to wherever I'm going to preach your word. And God answered that prayer. And I'm just thinking, what would happen if every member of your church, every member of my church coming into the house of God on Sunday morning had come in, prayed up like that, expecting God, anticipating God, thanking God, rejoicing what God was going to happen? I believe revival would break out in our church because we expect God to show up. Well, that's my message tonight. Has that been helpful? Has that been encouraging? I hope so.
Thanks, Elizabeth and Robert, for sharing that ministry and song. I know many of you love that old hymn, The Old Rugged Cross. Right Now Media is a resource that we want to make available to our Keswick family. It offers hundreds of teaching videos for adults, teens, and children. And if you've never taken part in that subscription, I want to encourage you to do so today. You can email, email I can't say that, just keep it rolling. Email me at bwelte, W-E-L-T-E, at americaskeswick.org. Please give me your name and your email address. This is a free service from Right Now Media. We'd love to have you take part in that. If you enjoyed the ministry of Dr. Roger Wilmore, there are plenty of his teaching videos on our website, www.americaskeswick.org, watch live. And Lord willing, Roger is going to be here for our Family Week 4, August 2 to 7, 2020. He's going to be with Dr. Joe Basil. We love Roger, and I trust that his message today was a great blessing to your heart and life. Thank you for joining us for Episode 5 of the Bill and Bob, Bob and Bill, Billy Bob, Billy Bob podcast. We are grateful for you. Please call 1-800-453-7942 between the hours of 8 and 5, Monday through Friday. Someone from our staff would love to have an opportunity to pray for you. God bless.